The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, D.C., and a political commentator for news radio stations WGN in Chicago and KNX in Los Angeles. My company, Bannon Communications Research, pulls for and designs research-based media and message strategies for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling and communications company, go to facebook.com front slash slash. Uh, Bannon-Communications-Research. That's Facebook.com front slash Bannon-Communications-Research. My Twitter handle is Brad Bannon, all one word. I want to welcome our new streaming partner, NRM Streamcast. It's the all-inclusive network for streamcasting. Their new platform broadcasts simultaneously to desktops, mobile devices, smart TVs, and podcasts. A special programming note, uh, tomorrow I'll be joining Leslie on our show to discuss the Democratic presidential race and to preview Super Tuesday. I'm always eternally grateful to Leslie for giving me the opportunity to do Deadline DC on Monday, uh, but I still love being on with her, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity tomorrow afternoon, and so should all our listeners. Today, my guest in the first half hour is political analyst Morley Winograd, who's here to discuss his new article on the growing power of women in American politics. In the second half hour, our guest on the provocative progressive political panel is Kimberly Scott, the publisher of Demlist. If you want to be part of the show and talk directly to me and our guest, call us at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. These are the questions that we'll discuss today on the show. Inquiring minds want to know. About 60% of the Democratic primary voters this year will be women. How have they affected the 2020 campaign? If Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, or Michael Bloomberg wins the presidential nomination, will he, whoever it is, need to add a woman to the ticket uh, to win in November? Third and finally, uh, why is Bernie Sanders so popular with young primary voters? My guest, Morley Winograd, is here today to discuss an article uh, he and his co-worker, uh, co-author Mike Haste just wrote for the Brookings Institute on the growing power of women in American politics. Mike uh, 
Uh, Morley and Mike are also the authors of books on social trends and politics, including Millennial Makeover, which is one of the best books I've ever read about American politics. Uh, Morley, welcome to Deadline DC. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's always good to talk to the good Bannon. Uh, yeah, I know. It's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. I always uh, have to tell people I'm not relect. Uh, I'm not related. I don't think um, I always get a lot of his hate mail on the internet, which is always fun. You're not related biologically or ideologically, which is no, good. not any kind of ology, That's fortunately. Right. Okay, uh, Morley, uh, today, is, uh, t- this month, is National Women's History Month. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the article that you just wrote for the Brookings Institute? Uh, thanks, uh, Brad. Happy to do so. Uh, your listeners should know that so far, outside of this show and a few other miscellaneous writings like ours, uh, you're not being told about the most important political story in American politics, despite all the coverage of the Democratic primaries. What people have not written about until now is that the most profound change in American politics today, and actually in the years to come, will result from a massive movement of women into the Democratic Party. Um, it has started uh, in, in, it went into overdrive from the original gender gap we saw in the Reagan years, uh, once uh, Donald Trump defeated, surprisingly, Hillary Clinton. And it's going to create a chasm in the electorate so, not just a gap, so wide that no Republican presidential uh, candidate is going to be able to get elected for years to come unless they change their positions and attitudes and involvement of the, of the women's vote. Just to give you a couple of examples, Brad, and I'm happy to take your questions. In 2016, Clinton led Trump by 13 points uh, among women, 54-41. Um, but in the midterm, uh, 2018 midterm elections, women opted for Democrats rather than Republican congressional candidates by 19 points. And besides their voting behavior, the Democratic margin over Republicans and party identification, thanks to women, grew from six points in 94 to nearly 20 in 2017. And that reflects, uh, in current voting terms, about a 23-point gender gap, with women 19 points more likely to favor uh, Democratic candidates and men four points less likely. Okay. Well, let me ask you this question, Morley. Uh, uh, is, uh, well, first of all, we should mention that we've uh, had some news on the Democratic race in the last few days. We've had three candidates drop out. Uh, investor Tom Steyer dropped out on Saturday. Uh, Sunday, uh, Mayor Pete dropped out. And today, uh, uh, Amy uh, Globetar uh, dropped out. Um, and, you know, it's becoming, you know, Elizabeth Warren is still in there. Um, and uh, But she's sort of hanging by her fingertips. Uh, it's about 60% of the Democratic primary voters um, are female um, and the first question is why you know why isn't that helping one of the women, female candidates? Well, I think uh, you have to give credit to the uh, female electorate uh, for staying focused on their uh, interests as uh, their economic interests and their political interests in the democratic primary they 've uh, continued to vote in numbers greater than men fifty five percent of the uh, participants. 
in, uh, in uh, South Carolina, for instance, were women. And when they vote, it's not an identity vote. It's a, what is in my interest? What do I need to have my family and my life uh, be better than it is today? And, and they've obviously determined that the answer to that question is not having Trump in my life and not having him in the White House. And that focus on getting rid of Donald Trump has led them to this great debate that uh, the electorate is uh, undertaking one voter at a time, and that's the debate over electability between the Democratic candidates. Uh, they obviously clearly ready to support a woman, uh, Elizabeth Warren and Amy Globuchar, both uh, are in the we're in the final six, uh, and that's a, a, a credit both to their campaign and the interests of female voters. But as soon as it becomes apparent that that may not be the best candidate to beat Trump, uh, their, their standing in the polls drop and their support drops, whereas candidates who uh, can make a credible case uh, based upon uh, the outcome of the primary election so far and the debates and so forth, that they do have what it takes to get rid of Donald Trump, become uh, much more popular and much more, get much more support among Democratic voters. So it's important not to get wrapped up in the simple identity question, who's the man, who's the woman. There's a lot of voters who will make the decision based upon that. But that has to have all things equal. And when it comes to beating Trump, so far that hasn't been all things being equal in favor of the two candidates endorsed by the New York Times. Okay, uh, We're going to go to break now, but when we get back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, we'll have more discussion of the growing power of women in American politics with our guest political analyst, uh, Morley Winograd. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Attempted to march from Brown Chapel Amy Church across this bridge. We were beaten, we were tear gassed. I thought I was going to down this bridge. But somehow, in some way, God Almighty helped me. We cannot give up now. No, no. We cannot give in. No. We must keep the faith. Keep our eyes on the prize. We must go out and vote like we never, ever voted before. Some people gave more than a little blood. Some gave their very lives. I said to each and every one of you, especially you young people, the fraternities and sororities, you look good. <laughs> Look colorful. <laughs> Go out there. Speak up. Speak out. Get in the way. Get in good trouble. Necessary trouble. And help redeem the soul of America. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. 
going to continue to fight. We need your prayers now more than ever before. Let's do it. Let's do it. Selma is a different place. America is a different place. Yes. But we can make it much better. Jackson. We must use the vote as a nonviolent instrument or tool to redeem the soul of America. Thank you very much. Good to see you. That is uh, Congressman John Lewis with great advice. Uh, vote like you've never voted before. And tomorrow, Americans in 14 different states, including California and Texas, uh, and American Samoa and Americans abroad uh, have the chance to vote for the Democratic presidential nominee. And um, I hope you take that opportunity. It's important to all of us. Uh, our guest in this half hour is political analyst Maury Winograd. Um, he's here to discuss an article he and his co-author, Mike Hayes, wrote uh, for the Brook- Brookings Institute on the growing power of women in American politics. Welcome back to Deadline DC, Morley. Let me ask you this question. Uh, I have no idea who the Democratic presidential nominee is going to be. Um, but assuming it's uh, either Joe Biden, uh, Bernie Sanders, or Michael Bloomberg, uh, what does uh, that the nominee have to do uh, to take advantage of the uh, widespread dissatisfaction among female voters uh, with Donald Trump and his presidency? Well, I think it's very important that um, uh, the Democrats have a female on the presidential ticket this year, uh, regardless of which of those candidates you're talking about, Um, given the fact that um, women are voting Democratic because they see the party embracing more of their perspective of how America should function than the Republican Party. And I'll give you a stat on that, but it's important for the Democrats to then assure that female voting bloc that that perspective will be represented in the inner uh, uh, decision-making in the Oval Office uh, in the White House uh, during the Democratic president's term. So it's not so much a turnout thing, although it will certainly help. Uh, Women are already ready to turn out and vote against Trump. But uh, to give you an example of why it's so important to have that perspective and why women believe Democrats have a perspective that reflects their world more than than Republicans do. Uh, uh, 69% of all women uh, lean to the Democratic Party, uh, who do lean to the Democratic Party, believe that significant obstacles will make it harder for women to get ahead than men. And the same percentage of male Democratic Party supporters agree. But in the Republican Party, 81% of men uh, in the Republican Party believe not that, that significant obstacles still remain, but rather that obstacles that once made it harder for women to get ahead are largely gone. Tell that to the average woman voter in America, and you'll understand why it's important, uh, why they're voting Democratic and why it's important for that perspective to be represented at the final decision-making, at the highest levels of decision-making in a Democratic administration. 
It always strikes me, uh, Morley, that one of the problems the Trump administration has, uh, it goes beyond policy. It it also includes optics. Every once in a while, you see this uh, uh, photo uh, of a meeting in the Oval Office uh, with Trump surrounded by nothing but guys with no women around. Um, and I remember seeing a picture of uh, the Republican House Caucus uh, uh, last year, and it's just, you know, entirely, with a few exceptions, all male. Uh, but behind, besides the optics, what, what 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 is the biggest problem female voters have with the Trump administration and the GOP? The um, and the optics are certainly bad. Uh, the uh, single biggest problem they have is with the threat to their economic uh, future and economic security. Uh, women, unfortunately, in America still uh, are more likely to be feel economically insecure than men. And with the Republican attitudes on health care, uh, on uh, climate change, on uh, 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 safety in the schools, all of those things uh, drive uh, them to think, there's got to be a different approach. It's got to be a, an approach that reflects our perspective, and the Democrats, uh, male and female candidates, seem to have more of that going for them than anything Trump can do. There's obviously a lot of cultural and gender resentment, uh, starting with the fact that Trump even beat Hillary Clinton. I mean, that, that alone angers plenty of women. But beyond the partisanship, it's the economic security issues and the safety issues that are really critical to uh, future safety to uh, women. Uh, Morley, I want to thank you uh, very much for joining us today. Uh, I hope we'll have talk about a lot about politics uh, between now and November, so I hope you can uh, join us again. If I can, uh, my co-author, Mike Hayes, would be delighted to do so. We always enjoy being on your show, Brad. Well, maybe we'll go for double play and try to get you on together. <laughs> there you go. Uh, our guest in this half hour was Morley Winograd, political analyst, uh, who is here today to discuss an article he and his co-author, Mike Hayes, wrote about the growing power of women in American politics. We'll be back after these messages with the provocative progressive political panel, so don't go away. Welcome back to Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. There will be lots of twists and turns on the long and winding road to the Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee. Voters and the media take a perverse pleasure in building candidates up so they can turn around and knock them down. The Bernie blowout in Nevada was followed only a week later by a Biden binge in South Carolina. Former Vice President Joe Biden starred the campaign as the prohibitive favorite to win the Democratic presidential nomination. Months later, he was hanging on by his fingernails before winning a big victory in South Carolina Saturday. His victory there means he lives to fight another day, which in this case is tomorrow on Super Tuesday. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders was on a roll after a win in New Hampshire and a big victory in Nevada. After those victories, there was so much talk about the inevitability of his nomination 
that the New York Times reported that a group of Democratic superdelegates were mounting a coup to deny him the nomination. Then Democrats in South Carolina decided to slow his momentum themselves. Former Mayor Pete was the flavor of the day after he won the delegate contest in Iowa in January. Uh, But after poor finishes in Nevada and South Carolina and with few prospects on Super Tuesday, uh, he ended his campaign last night. Last fall, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren had lapsed Sanders and become the main progressive alternative to the moderate frontrunner Biden. Now she is in danger of losing her home state primary to a progressive rival and with that her place in the race. Super Tuesday will be a make-or-break day for Democratic hopefuls. The big day offers Sanders his best chance to win enough delegates that will send him to Milwaukee with a big enough lead that he can win on the first ballot with no questions asked. We'll find out tomorrow uh, whether he can do that or not. He is the only Democratic candidate besides businessman Michael Bloomberg who has the money to advertise broadly for Super Tuesday. Sanders leads the California polls, and a big victory there could net him hundreds of delegates. The second biggest prize Tuesday is Texas, which, like California, has large numbers of Hispanic voters who supported the Vermont senator in large numbers in Nevada. While Sanders has incorporated Hispanic voters into his progressive coalition, he has has failed to bring African-American voters uh, into the fold. Biden won a plurality of black voters in Nevada and a large majority of them, a four-to-one majority of them, in South Carolina. Biden hopes to parlay his support with blacks and moderate white Southerners into Super Tuesday wins in Texas, Virginia, North Carolina, Alabama, and Arkansas. Tuesday is an important day for Bloomberg because he will be on the ballot for the first time. He was not on the ballot in South Carolina, but the state exit poll there indicated he was very unpopular with the Democrats in the Palmetto State. Super Tuesday will prove whether money can buy happiness and votes for the former New York City mayor. Elizabeth Warren did did raise almost $30 million in January, which means she has the money to continue the fight through March. Her showing in the California polling indicates she could win a fair number of delegates in the, uh, in the, uh, there if she hits the 15% threshold. Uh, Amy Klobuchar left the race today. She will be remembered as the candidate who aced the debates, which could mean second place on the national ticket for the Midwestern miners' granddaughter. March comes in like a political lion. There will be lots of roller coaster ride, thrills and chills Tuesday night, with 1,144 delegates at stake. But there's still a ton of fun ahead in March. The week after Super Tuesday, there will be primaries in six states with 365 delegates at stake. On St. Patrick's Feast Day on March 17th, Primary voters in Arizona, Florida, Illinois, and Ohio will select 577 delegates. Only then will we be able to make any clear judgments about what might or might not happen in Milwaukee. 
Our guest on the provocative progressive political panel today is Kimberly Scott. Kimberly is the publisher of Demlist, which is the authoritative authoritative guide on the web to democratic policy uh, and politics. Check out Demlist on Twitter at Demlist. And by the way, uh, you should definitely subscribe uh, because uh, if you want to follow the uh, process leading up to the convention in Milwaukee in July, Demlist is the best way to do it. Joining Kim on the panel is Mark Grimaldi. Mark has been uh, executive producer of the Leslie Marshall Show for 14 years and a political, a progressive political activist for the last 12. Mark is also involved in campaign finance reform efforts around the country and philanthropic efforts for cancer research. His Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. Okay, uh, let's start with this. Uh, Kim. Uh, what do you think is going to happen on Super Tuesday tomorrow? I tell you, I don't know if my answer would have been the same three days ago. What a difference a few days makes, even even in this day and time. Um, As you know, there are close to 1,400 delegates up for Super Tuesday in 16 contests, 14 states, one territory and Democrats abroad. And while we won't know the full result till the end of the week, uh, the question is really whether Biden can overcome Sanders' advantage. Uh, you know, clearly South Carolina was a great asset for him and a, and a much needed win. The, que- the problem is that half the voters in the Super Tuesday states will have had already voted prior to South Carolina. That being said, for those who haven't gone to the polls yet, the fact that three contenders have dropped out in the last 72 hours following South Carolina is a huge boost for Biden, uh, you know, all of which claim the moderate mantle, and one of which, Klobuchar, will be endorsing him this evening. It's just a matter of whether it's enough to overcome Sanders' operation. He has a huge, uh, uh, well-organized, well-funded structure in California. Uh, For example, Sanders has 23 campaign offices compared to one that Biden has. And so it really is, as many people are saying, coming down to what appears to be a Biden-Sanders race. Then, of course, there's Bloomberg, who's the wild card, who has also invested close to $400 million in advertising since he came into the race in the end of November. And it's whether or not he can actually buy those votes. Nevertheless, that being said, Bloomberg is very appealing to people. That is showing up in different polling, in the sense is an alternative, perhaps, to Biden. Um, but behind all of this is unquestionably an anti-Sanders movement. Further fueled by the the resignations of the three candidates. Yeah. Uh, Mark, let's follow up on that. Uh, uh, after Nevada, um, everybody was uh, digging Joe Biden's grave. Uh, and only seven days after he was buried in Nevada, he came back and won big in uh, South Carolina. 
Um, and so, uh, in fact, I saw a one national poll that was released today that showed his national jumper numbers uh, had jumped seven points. Uh, so uh, there is some momentum there. Also, uh, two of the two candidates, uh, Mayor Pete and Senator Klobuchar, who dropped out, um, are moderate candidates. Um, they may clear the way in Super Tuesday states for some moderates uh, who were voting for them uh, to support Joe Biden. So uh, what kind of boost do you think Joe Biden has uh, going into uh, tomorrow's festivities on Super Tuesday, Mark? I think a lot bigger than any of us could have imagined, as as Kim brought up, uh, you know, just a few days ago. Um, I think even though, uh, you know, it had been called, as as uh, some of his campaign had called it previously, a firewall, uh, South Carolina being a firewall for his campaign, it ended up being what Simone Sanders, his campaign manager, uh, said, uh, or senior campaign staffer said, a springboard, um, at least with all of these endorsements. Um, you know, you see the likes of Susan Rice, one of the first big uh, names in the Obama circle, uh, endorsing uh, Vice President Biden, and then Harry Reid today. Um, a lot of folks getting behind him, and then you heard the news that Kim shared regarding uh, Senator Klobuchar expecting to endorse him tonight, and it, it uh, he and uh, Mayor Buttigieg have been uh, speaking as well. So I think you're seeing that, you know, Senator Sanders surged very early. People looked at the electoral map and are making, you know, their best guess as to how that would affect, you know, uh, the Democrats chance to recapture the White House, but also a lot of talk of how would it affect down ballot races in the House and the Senate in more uh, moderate areas. Um, you know, it's it's. I think it's a risk either way. I really do. But speaking specifically uh, regarding the Biden campaign, I think he's got a lot of momentum. Now we'll see what happens tomorrow. Is Mayor Bloomberg going to blunt that momentum and split the moderate vote? I think it'll be also interesting specifically in California to see if Senator Warren, who had been polling Polling at 14% there, again, if she if she gets to that 15% threshold, then she's going to split delegates with Senator Sanders and some of his progressive voters. But um, I also think potentially the, the biggest factor um, in those two states you mentioned, Brad, California and Texas, will come down to uh, Latino voters, which, you know, in the most recent polls were being dominated by Senator Sanders. So we'll see if that changes after uh, Biden, uh, Vice President Biden, has been picking up that momentum uh, with endorsements. And, uh, you know, again, the, Bloom, the Bloomberg factor is going to be huge, I think. Yeah, I think that's one of the big questions tomorrow is uh, whether uh, Bernie is clearly going to win delegates in California. Um, the big question is whether any of the other candidates, and I think it's touch and go right now, uh, get to the 15% delegate threshold. Um, if Sanders is the only candidate who gets more than 15% tomorrow, uh, that could mean he's going to pile up delegates in California like crazy, and it's going to make it even more difficult to stop him. But we'll we'll find that out tomorrow. The other interesting thing that uh, I saw in the South Carolina exit polls, which surprised me, is though uh, Michael Bloomberg wasn't on the ballot in South Carolina, and tomorrow will be the first time he's seen on any ballots. Uh, but 
his favorability was incredibly negative among South Carolina Democrats in the exit polls. Only 22 percent um, of the voters, Democratic primary voters, uh, liked Mike Bloomberg. So uh, that is certainly a troublesome sign for his candidacy. We're going to go to break now, but we get back from break. We'll have more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, with our guest, uh, the publisher of Demless, Kim Scott, and our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. We'll be back right after these messages. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. And welcome back to our provocative progressive political panel. Say that four times fast. Our guests on the panel today are Kimberly Scott, who is the publisher of Demlist, and our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. Uh, Let's start with uh, this. Uh, Kim, one of the things that has struck me about the process so far uh, is that... uh, Probably, when all is said and done, close to 60% of the people who vote in Democratic primaries or attend Democratic caucuses uh, will be women. So we're looking at a 60-40 gender split. Uh, We just lost uh, one of the female candidates today. Um, Elizabeth Warren is uh, hanging on by her fingernails. We've already lost uh, a couple of other uh, very strong female candidates. So why haven't women been more successful in the Democratic presidential race than they've been? You know, it's it's an excellent question because I think that all of us expected, uh, Warren in particular, um, to have gone further at this point. But I, I think the bottom line is Trump. On one hand, you know, Trump is the one who motivated women to get out in the midterms, where they voted 59 to 40 percent for Democrats. Um, and it was certainly a, a ride that Elizabeth Warren hoped to take all the way to the presidential. But I think what has happened is that people are overwhelmingly going to getting to the point of whatever it takes to beat Donald Trump. And where she is in the race doesn't put her in that position. You know, I talked to a um, a friend in Richmond last night who had been a huge Pete Buttigieg fan, and I texted him to say Buttigieg is dropping out. And he texted back and said, I decided yesterday I'm voting with Biden. And I was shocked. But as he said, the bottom line is, it's at this point where a lot of voters across the country are deciding how can we beat Donald Trump. And it almost, unfortunately, neutralizes the advantage, I think, that some of the women in this race or Warren still in the race would otherwise have amongst women voters. Uh, do you think, uh, assuming we – well, look – Either way, do you think we'll end up with a uh, uh, female uh, vice presidential nominee? You know, I, obviously that's where Klobuchar is positioning herself, come, you know, making the decision to endorse Biden right off the bat and before Super Tuesday. Although, again, with over half the votes already counted in early vote, at least in 14 of the 16 contests, we don't know how much of an effect this will have. But 
I think it's a necessity, particularly where, surprisingly, we're going to end up with a white male in his 70s, whichever white male in his 70s that is, uh, that the person on the ticket with that individual has got to be a woman or a minority. Uh, And I think Klobuchar is very well positioned to be that person. Uh, Mark, do you have any uh, thoughts about, let's assume that uh, uh, one of the uh, killer bees, Bernie Biden or Bloomberg, wins the nomination. Do you have any thoughts on the best running mate for either of those men? I think that, you know, uh, Stacey Abrams was getting some uh, early attention from Vice President Biden's campaign when he was in the position of front runner status. Um, I also think there's been some, you know, interesting points brought up about Kamala Harris. I think she fits well um, in that ticket. Uh, but also, you know, Senator Klobuchar, I think, is very well qualified as well, um, you know, as Kim points out. But I do think um, it really does help to energize especially after what happened let's not forget with secretary of state clinton i mean it's pretty clear she should be the president after you know our elections being meddled with and you know these uh cross check schemes to kick uh, valid voters off the ballots so i i think that you know many uh people not just women but you know i was for instance excited at the prospect of a woman president having two daughter, two young daughters, I want to be able to tell them, look, look, see, the, you can do this, you can do this. And and, and it just, I don't know, to, to have that to look up to, I think she was just so well qualified. I think in a way it kind of redeems that, um, that lost opportunity that was taken away if we have a woman in the White House, even, you know, in the position of being vice president. Yeah. Uh, I think personally, let's say one of the uh, it's odd, though, that we have all these uh, where, you know, we have more uh, men in their 70s and we know what to do with. Um, And but I think if one of them ends up being the nominee, uh, there'll be a strong argument for having um, a number two. two uh who's uh, a woman or maybe woman and a minority um that would be well there are all sorts of possibilities uh anyway uh that's all for today folks i want to thank my guest uh, morley winograd kimberly scott of demlist and our executive producer mark grimaldi uh, remember, I'm going to be on with Leslie tomorrow, so make sure you are listening tomorrow at 3 Eastern uh, for the two of us, if you can handle the two of us at the same time, which may be problematic. Uh, I'm Otherwise, I'm here every Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern time, if the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise, unless Trump declares martial law, that is, which is becoming increasingly a high probability. We'll be back next Monday with more Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. And again, you can catch me on with Leslie tomorrow, which is always a hell of a lot of fun for me. Have a good week. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Hey. 
I'm Andy, and I started Harry's, the shaving company that's fixing shaving. At Harry's, we keep it simple. We make sharp, durable blades and offer them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We obsess over quality so much that we do crazy things, like buy a German razor blade factory. So give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for only three bucks with free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter five at checkout. That's harrys.com, code five.